Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're continuing our study in the book of 2 Timothy. Um, we're fi- in fact, we're finishing up the, the study in 2 Timothy, and then we'll move into, well, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then we're going to step into 2 Timothy chapter 3 next week. Um, last time we were together, um, we saw in the text where Paul instructs Timothy in, in, in a certain idea in verse 19. So if you've got your Bibles, go look at chapter 2, verse 19. And, and Paul tells Timothy, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal, that the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So the first thing we see there in verse 19 is this idea that something particular is standing firm. God's firm foundation stands. And and in the text here, what he's referring to, he's referring to the church here. He's referring to the idea that the church is going to stand regardless. There's nothing that's going to happen. Like, listen, I want you all to hear me. Nothing in any political circle is going to shake the church. The church will do what the church is designed to do because God set it up to be so. Amen? And so the the church is not going to, listen, the church isn't going to, shut down. It's not going to break. It's not. In fact, the text tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Like, so that's, this is a firm foundation. God's firm foundation stands. He will not be shaken. His church will not be shaken. His word will not be shaken. And then he goes a little bit further and he says, those who are his. This is what he says. There's this seal. Bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Isn't that, 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 doesn't that give you just a, on a cold winter's day like this, it gives you a warm blanket feeling to know that God knows who are his. God knows who, who's, who belongs to him. And, and he takes care of his kids. He takes care of his own. And then he, he goes a little bit further here. He goes, yes, the Lord knows them. But those who are part of the resurrection, I know that Cedric talked about the resurrection last week. Part of the resurrection, those who are part of Jesus Christ, those that have been redeemed, those that have been sealed, those that have been set apart, they are to depart all forms of iniquity. They are to run from all forms of iniquity. We, we do not have one foot in heaven and one foot in the world. We don't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot on the planet. We have, we're, we're to go all in. In fact, Revelation chapter 3, verse, or chapter 3, verse 15 through 16 says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would it be that you'd be cold or hot? Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. God is not interested in a lukewarm believer. He is not interested in a man, woman, boy, or girl that has one foot in the camp of Christ and one foot in the den of the devil. He is not interested in that. There's no such thing as a half-hearted Christian. 
in the kingdom of God. So he says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And Paul goes further into this illustration in verse 20. And he begins this idea of unpacking the idea of vessels in a house. Verse 20. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. The Greek word for vessel in this text is referring to the different types of utensils or tools that are used in the house. And so some are used for honorable things. And then there are other things that are, that are used for not really that, it's not honorable. That, like there's, Nobody's looking at the trash can going, that is an incredible piece of utensil tool thing. That's, that's a, look at that. When you have your guests over, when you've got good people over, when, you got the, when you've got the, you, what, what's it called, breaking out the fine china? What the, isn't that what grandma used to say? Breaking out the fine china. Well, what, why are we breaking out the fine china? Well, people are coming over. People are coming, right? People are heading over, right? So this, this idea here that some are used for honorable uses. These are things that are brought out and used by the master for good things. You, like I said, bring out the fine china for the, for the special guests. You get the good cups out and serve the, the drinks to the guests when they come. This is what the gold and silver represents. And then there's these next utensils or devices of dishonor. They are things that are used that are for repulsive things. They're repulsive um, tools. But they're still used. This is, listen, this is why I always say I'd rather be known by God than used by God. There, there's a lot of people that are going to be used by God. Everybody is going to be used by God on some level. You're either going well, get humanity is going to be used by God regardless. We're either going to be used as an honorable thing or a dishonorable thing. Let, let, me, let me illustrate or explain it a little bit further. You're going to you be, be shown off and used by God and shown off as an object of God's goodness, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and faithfulness. Or you'll be an object of his justice, anger, wrath, and punishment. Either vessel will bring God glory. That means the atheist who shakes his fist in the heavens and says, I don't believe in God, will be an object of God's wrath, and God will get the glory out of that object. Now, here's the thing. Gold and silver are not the only vessels that can be used for honorable things. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. So here's the deal. Any vessel, hear me, any vessel that God declares clean is indeed clean. Amen? Like any vessel that is clean is indeed clean. It's further expressed in verse 21 there. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sacrificed 
useful to the master and prepared for every good work. So what you're seeing in the text here is that this is what repentance looks like in real time. This is what repentance looks like in actual real time. When you're cleansed of the filth that is in you, sin, remember Romans chapter 3, all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us have sinned. And because of all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Right? So therefore, if any man cleanses himself of these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sacrifice, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. When you are cleansed of the filth of sin in your heart and in your life and designated as a vessel to be used by King Jesus for good and righteous purposes, you are not ever going to be reverted back to a trash can. Like that. I know, I know we Baptist, but that should get us excited. <laughs> like, amen? I, I know it's cold outside. I know it's maybe a little warm in this room and maybe feeling maybe a little sleepy. But I I want us to to think about this. This is a beautiful thing. When Jesus cleanses you, he cleanses you completely. Amen? Not just a little bit, but completely. You're you're distinct. You're set apart for a specific purpose that will bring glory to God. Steve Lawson once said, We do not merely add Jesus Christ to our lives and continue in the same direction. Following Christ means we stop. Turn, turn around and pursue him. Yes. That, that's, that's the idea. Because there's so many people that, that we live in a, in a weird, and this is why I, I've changed my position. I've always used to, uh, as, as, a, as a Bible-believing Christian, I always used to say, and people say, oh, you're one in Baptist. You're once saved, always saved. I, I want to change that. Once saved, always repenting. Once saved, Always repenting. Verse 22, Paul continues in the text and he tells Timothy, this is what you need to tell the church to do. Verse 22. Now, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So the first thing we see in verse 22 is that we are to run from one's youthful lust. Now, immediately everybody immediately will start to say, well, you're talking sexual stuff there, right, Pastor? That's what that is, right? Not just that, but pride. Yes, sexual sin we need to run from and not pursue those things. But secondly, pride, arrogance, evil desires for wealth, and jealousy. Over, I want that, man. I I really like what Matt has. I want what Matt has. And I'm going to try to forcefully take it. That's wicked. That's wrong. Right? That's that's sin. We need to run from argumentative spirits. Self-righteous spirits. That idea. Kids, are you hearing me? Argumentative spirits. Where we, where we argue and say we want to assert our rights. I'm in charge here. I'm the man. I'm in charge. Right? right? These are things that are to be run from. Run from this kind of thing that brings destruction in every... If, if these things play out, 
if these things play out, you will be an object of God's justice. If you continue to chase after these things, you continue to chase after the sin of the, this world. It's going to bring destruction on you as a human being. You're called to run from these things. And then not only are we to run away from these things, we're to run towards something else. This is the beautiful thing I love about biblical Christianity. We're not just the book of don't, 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 don't. We're also a book of do, 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 do. Here's what we're supposed to do. Yes, run from those things. Run from the sin of immorality. But we are to chase after, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. These are things that bring everlasting life and everlasting satisfaction. We are to do these things. And here's it. We're not only, we're not, listen, I don't just go do that on my own. The scripture gives us very clear commands here. We are to do this in a community setting, in a community of biblically rooted faith with other believers who are doing the exact same thing. I want to get around other men and women who are chasing Jesus, and I just want to try to keep up. Amen? Amen? That's what I want to do. This is where we'll find purpose and fulfillment. Everybody is, golly, the world is just filled with people that are looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for life. They're looking for some reason. Why am I here? Why am I here? Well, we're here to pursue Christ. Pursue his righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace. This is what we're supposed to do. So if you're looking for purpose, the Bible says, stop these things here. Stop fornicating. I'm just going to lay that out there. You may make it awkward for some. I don't care. Stop indulging in sexual sins. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 through 6 says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetousness, or who has idolatry in their life, they have zero, no, nada, no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no, and here you go, Caleb, you're being a little strict. You're sound a little narrow here. That's not just, it's just a practical joke. It's just every once in a while, I look at that stuff online. It's not that big of a deal. Verse 6. Let, everyone who de- let, let no one deceive you with his empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. So the calling in the text is to stop chasing immorality of all types. And find fulfillment in Christ. Find fulfillment in Christ. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. So listen, there was a point where everybody in the room... Every one of us in the room pursued things that were dark. Amen? Am I I preaching to the wrong crowd then? Just checking. There was a point in which you pursued things that were dark. But now you've been redeemed and reconciled by the king of, of the universe, Jesus. And because of this, now you're called to walk in as light. Not just any kind of light. The light of Christ. You are to be a child of light or a child of God. Now here's the deal. 
Not everybody's a child. Everybody says, well, everyone's a child of God. No, you're not. We're all creations of God, but there's only a select few that are children of God. Now, if you want to be a child of God, you can. Repent and believe the gospel, and guess what? You're in. That's it. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. That's it. We're supposed to look different. As, as, as children of God, we should look different. So that's the first one. Then stop with your pride. Listen, pride is the sin that starts every other kind of sin. That was the, that's where Lucifer, Satan, the devil, he who shall not be named. I've done some research on this guy. Did you know that Satan is not actually his name? It's just a title? Yes. He doesn't actually, his name is not given in the text. In fact, the scripture tells us that he is not to be named. He is such a vile rascal that he is not even to be named. So don't be a dirty plaything of an even dirtier devil. He started with pride. He thought he could usurp God himself. He said, I will ascend to the most high. I will be. Notice he said I multiple times in the text. He wants to be God. And he hates that you and I are image bearers of God. Because we bear the imprint, the image of Christ. We bear that. He hates us. And that's the reason he has made our lives miserable. So stop with pride. Throw pride out the door. Stop with an argumentative spirit. Run away from all of these things and then pursue righteousness, faith, peace, love. And that's where you're going to find ultimate purpose, ultimate meaning, and lasting fulfillment and satisfaction. Once again, we're called to chase after the things in a these types of things in a community. We are to come alongside one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and we're to encourage one another, help one another in this journey. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Just me and Jesus. No. We are everywhere in the text there is a community of believers. God sends out his disciples in groups. The church is the organization he put out here for a purpose. And if you think, well, I, I don't need anybody else. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I don't need the church. I love this. Is the, I hate this. Is, as a pastor, this irritates me. Well, I love the Bible, but I hate the church. It's, a bunch of, it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. You know what my response is? Come on in. We need one more. Come on in. We need one more. No such thing as I got this on my own. You don't got this on your own. Because if you, if you try to do this on your own, you're going to end up as a statistic. Get yourself plugged into a church where you can chase after the things of the scriptures, where the scriptures are exalted, where Christ is worshipped as supreme king of the universe. And do that with a group of people who are trying to do the same thing. And you're going to find Lasting fulfillment. Let's keep going to verse 23. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Now, I want you to see this. This is Paul's third warning about avoiding arguing with false teachers. Like he just does a 
switch here in the middle of this. And just he goes back. Oh, wait, by the way, this is number three. Stop arguing with and contending with and getting around with and focusing on false teachers. And if you remember, when things are mentioned three times in the text, that's called the superlative level. That's a theological term. It's called the superlative level, which means this is important. Pay attention to this. This is most important in the economy of God's kingdom. Paul's telling Timothy here he must avoid and stay away from all of these things at all costs. Verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently and enduring evil. If you're a pastor and all you want to do is argue and fight with people, I know some of those folks. They love a good argument. They love a good debate. They love to fight. They love to look for controversy. The scripture says this is not the marks of a a good shepherd. This does not mean that he has to sacrifice biblical truth or standing upon the principles of the word of God. But it means that his desire is to love his flock, be kind to his flock, and, and long to see them repent and trust Christ and be reconciled to the God of the universe. One translation says this, be able to teach with patience with difficult people. That's a great translation. Like, listen, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people because is there anybody in the room that's ever had to deal with difficult people? Are any of you in the room maybe sometimes a difficult person? This this is being recorded for posterity. But this is the idea. Be able, listen, the Lord's servant must be, you shouldn't be quarrelsome. Be patient. Like, listen, there's a, there's, there's a desire here. What's the, what's, why, why? Verse 25 and 26 sort of kind of gives us the reason why. Do this with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. So you're not, it's not that you're just to lay down and take the, the, the false teachings or the false ideologies, or the false heresies that are being taught in the church today. Not that we're just, well, I'm just going to be the guy that's quiet, because I'm supposed to be kind and not not, not be quarrelsome, so I'm not going to be... No, 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 no. With gentleness, we are to correct those who are in opposition. Why? If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses... And escape from the snares of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Woo! There's the reason why. Use, we're to, we as Christians, pastors, are to use our biblical knowledge as a scalpel. Not a sledgehammer. The goal in understanding the Bible is not to be right. And there are so many people who use this thing as a club. Or a sledgehammer, or a jacket, and they just come in and they'll just throw a, a theological grenade in the room and walk out, just to see. Oh, I see if we can fight with somebody. That's not the idea here. The idea is not to be right, but rather 
It is to see men and women saved and come to the understanding of godly biblical truth. Now listen, there is heresies that are being taught. And they're the same exact heresies, just repackaged with different brands and different things out there so that people can, they're not the same as, you know, they're not packaged the same. They're starting to unravel themselves and see, you see some of the crazy. But we're, we're, we're not to stand back and just let it happen. Yes, we're to correct. Yes, we're to stand firm on biblical truth. But we're to do it gently. Why? So that men and women would repent of their sins and they would trust the gospel and they'd come to know the knowledge of the truth and they would get out of the snares of the devil. Verse 24 and 25 together here, they're, they're, they're tied together. So many difficult people will want to argue theology with you, but here's the reality. As a pastor, my desire is to see men and women set free from the power, or set free by the power of the scriptures and to know that the truth is thus saith the Lord. And if you're and here, here's my, this is my stance. If you're around solid biblical teaching for a long enough time, one of two things will happen. You're either going to get saved and pursue the Lord just full throttle or you're going to leave. We've had both in this church. We've had people that get upset at biblical teaching and they're like, I don't like that. And they leave. That's not on me. That's on them. That's between them and the Lord. And then there's those who hear the same words and they get fired up for the things of Jesus. And they want to pursue Christ above all else. And they want to just know him more intimately. That's, that, that my desire is to see that, not the other. I don't... I don't take joy when people stomp out and leave and they're like, I'm mad. That breaks my heart. I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm just saying this is what God's word says. Here's what God's word says. Right? If you're around scripture long enough, you're going to repent and trust Christ or you're going to leave. Because darkness can't be around light. You're either going to be transformed or you're going to vacate the area. And my goal is to see men and women set free. Set free from their sins. My goal is not to stir up trouble. My goal is to preach the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who would believe. To be redeemed and set free. Why? So that men and women could escape. What's the text say? Escape from the snares of the devil. Listen. The devil hates you. Because I said it earlier. You're an image bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the imprint of God on you. You're made in the image of the triune God. He gave, listen, he gave Adam dominion of this place. He gave Adam authority over this place. And Adam launched that out the back door and forfeited that. So Jesus had to come back and take that back. Jesus took back the title deed to earth. He did everything that was necessary. He, he was the better Adam. 
Jesus is the better Adam. Right? So Jesus comes in and buys back with his shed blood, buys back everything. Not just some things, but everything. It's all his now. Because how do we know that? Matthew 28, when he ascends off the planet, he says, all authority has been given to me. Now go. <laughs> so what is he doing? He imparts to you as an ambassador. He says, you're going to be my ambassador. You can go do these things. Now go make disciples. And I heard a guy yesterday. He was... <clears throat> Sometimes that verse can overwhelm us, right? Matthew 28, go make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We go, oh man, of the nations? Hmm. What are there's probably 40 of us in 30, 40 of us in here? What if, stop with the nations. Just go with one. What would it look like this time next year if each one of you in the room said, I want to make a disciple one. I want to reach one in 2024. I want to disciple one in 2024. Guess what? January 2025, we got twice as many people in here. Right? Right? That's, and we grow, that's how we grow the kingdom. You grow the kingdom. You've been given authority. You've been given dominion to step into places with the Not on your own authority. Not on thus saith Caleb, but thus saith the Lord. You have authority to go make disciples. But that requires you opening your mouth and saying, I've been bought with a price. I've been transformed. I've been set free by the power of the gospel. You can too. Right? That's my goal is to pull out those who have been ensnared by the devil after being captured by him. Listen, don't be a dirty plaything of an even dirtier devil. I want to see men and women set free from their sin, their selves, and from Satan. Like that, And that should not just be a pastor's desire. That should be, if you're a Christian, that should be your desire. Amen? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all need to catch what my brother over here has got. Like, step into the places where you are. Like, this is, like, that's a perfect example. Everybody thinks, well, because he's young, what can he do? He could go into his school as a young buck and start talking to his friends about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, what happens? There's this groundswell because one man decides to do something. One woman decides to do something. To step into and what? Pursue, what's the text say? Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue Jesus. Forsake and cast off your sin and then pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the calling of all Christians. Amen? Amen. Not just some Christians. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, this letter applies to you. It doesn't just apply to, it, it, well, Caleb, it, it, it was written back then, so that's referring to them. Okay, yes, but it has application. This word, the scriptures are for you as well. Hmm. 
they may come to their senses. Desperado. Okay. Is that an old eagle song? Come from, come on. Get off, get off the fence. Get off the fence. You've been, you've been riding this thing out for way too long now. Pursue Christ and stop pursuing the world. Flee from your youthful lusts. Flee from the pride. Flee from the arrogance. Flee from the argumentative and self-righteous spirits. And ask Jesus to save you. And guess what? He will. <laughs> Anybody in the room? He, he saved me. I was telling Brother Mark yesterday, we were talking about this. I said, listen, I, if there's anybody that's not perfect, it's me. But I'm forgiven. Right? right? I'm forgiven. That's the beauty of this thing. And because I'm forgiven, because Christ did all these things on my behalf and loved me enough to, to pursue me, loved me enough to do what he, what he did for me, I want to please him. I want to pursue him. Now, do I do that perfectly? No. But guess where I find the ability to do that? In the word. The more I'm in the word, the more I have the ability to obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the manual has everything that you need. Everything that you need for life and godliness is in the book. But you got to open it. you got to read it. you got to study it. And guess what? As you read and study it, it's going to cut off the rough edges. It's going to cut off the rough edges. Like, we're going through the book of Job right now in our personal time, just reading that. Man, it's got some stuff. I'm like, ow, 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 ow. Ow. But it's the truth. I need to cast off my youthful passions and I need to pursue righteousness. I need to pursue faith. Because we know in Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to please Jesus? Yes. Then you need to have faith. Faith that says, God, I trust you and I believe you and I know who you are and I want to know you even more. And then get around other men and women who are doing the same thing. Get around men and women who have a desire to see Jesus do the exact same thing in their lives. And guess what? That's how you win your community. That's how we see Cedarvale one for Christ. One step at a time. One person at a time. One disciple at a time. We grow like that. Amen? Let's stand together. Thank y'all for being here. Our guests that are here, thank y'all for being here this morning. Um, no snow yet. Yet. So, I'm thankful. Listen, as we step into 2024, I want you to know how thankful I am to be able to pastor and shepherd this group of people. It is, it is a, it is pleasure. And it is just an honor that God would allow me to step into the pulpit and to share week after week the truths of his word. To be able to pray with you all, to come alongside you and encourage you in your faith. 
I am grateful for everyone in this room. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, I ask that you, as we see this text, that it would mold us and shape us into your image, that we would pursue you, we'd throw off and cast off our sins, and we would run to you. We'd be a vessel of honor. We'd be a vessel that is used by you for honorable things. God, help us as we walk through this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and I love you all.